My grandma pretty much raised me Catholic, which meant uh, she dragged me to church every Sunday, kicking and screaming. I didn't like it. I didn't want to be a part of it. It wasn't my thing. Really, I was into computers and I was into sports. And in high school, I was recruited, flown to Washington, D.C., and I got pitched by a bunch of three-letter agencies, FBI, DEA, other agencies. My guest today is Steve Gatena, the founder of Prey.com. Steve is an American entrepreneur, NCAA champ, and the youngest advisor to the President of the United States to be appointed to the National Infrastructure Advisory Council. So basically, he's a huge legend. Uh, Steve serves also as the founder of Pray.com, which is the world's number one app for daily prayer and faith-based audio content. So I like to think of it as like a com.com or an audible for prayer. Steve, welcome to the show. Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that I get to be your first guest here on the Matt Gray Show. There we go. Stoked to have you here. So, Steve, you are one of the people I was doing a lot of reflection in 2022. Um, Just, you know, some of my favorite experiences, some of my favorite people. And you came up on the list multiple times. Uh, We had some great times there in L.A. at the Mastermind and I've learned a ton from you through our experiences uh, in Founder OS and a bunch of other things. So um, super grateful for you and would love to have you just share a bit about your story um, and your journey kind of founding Prey because I think it's a, it's a fascinating one. Thanks. Yeah, I've, you know what? I, uh, of all of the surprises in 2022 that were pleasant surprises, uh, this dude named Matt Gray flying out from Canada to come hang out go. with uh, with some buddies of mine in LA at Eric Sue's leveling up event. I think that was that was definitely my top five of surprises. So thank you for coming. Um, I know we didn't even really know each other that well, and uh, I I just I felt like you were such a such a smart and passionate and kind entrepreneur, and I was like, you know what, I got to connect with Matt, and just I'm gonna invite him to this thing. So I called Eric and was like, Hey dude, like I'm bringing my buddy. Is that cool? And yeah, it worked out. It was so fun. You know, it was so much fun. Oh, that, that event was legendary. Got a lot out of it. So my background, Matt, you know, if I were to take it back all the way to diapers, which is, uh, which is really where I like to start. Um, yeah, I was born to a single Jewish mom on welfare. So my mom is Jewish and my dad was Catholic. And I bring that up when I tell the story because it turned out that God's plan for my life was that I would be the pray.com guy, right? So um, anytime you start off as the pray.com guy, uh, now we're introducing religion and um, people tend to make a lot of assumptions anytime you do that. But to clarify any assumptions, I'm from a mixed family. My mom's Jewish. My dad's Catholic. My grandma pretty much raised me Catholic, which meant uh, she dragged me to church every Sunday, kicking and screaming. I didn't like it. I didn't want to be a part of it. It wasn't my thing. Really, I was into computers and I was into sports. And in high school, I was recruited, flown to Washington, D.C., and I got pitched by a bunch of three-letter agencies, FBI, DEA, other agencies. And They basically said, hey, here's how you could use computers in the government. And one of the people from one of the agencies showed me something that we would now call Google Earth today, except back then Google Earth didn't exist. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever that you could just take pictures of the Earth from outer space. And I said, hey, I want to do this. This is what I want to do when I grow up. How do I do this? And the guy said, well, one way is uh, you could go to the United States Naval Academy, Annapolis. Another way is you could go to the United States Air Force Academy. And so I decided to go to the United States Air Force Academy out of high school and major in computer science. I did that because I wanted to work with satellites. I didn't want to fly fighter jets. I wanted to work with satellites. And I thought satellite imaging was just the coolest. So went to the Air Force Academy. And my first year there, Matt, I dislocated my shoulders collapsed my lung, broke my hand, got pneumonia, and ended up with an honorable discharge. <laughs> there so, we go. Sounds a little eventful. It was it was a little eventful. <laughs> and I think that, you know, that was the first time that I learned that God's plan for my life was not my plan for my life. 
And I think that um, a lot of us have, have been in that position before. I feel like but that's how it goes, right? We have plans and God laughs at them. That's it. That's it, right? So like story of my life. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, fortunately, I'm six foot five. I used to be 310 pounds. I used, I'm uh, today I'm like 210. Actually, my wife would be like, she'd tell me I'm 220 and I need to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I was 310. I got to play football in college, as you mentioned. Uh, won a Rose Bowl at the University of Southern California with Coach Pete Carroll. I was wow. a left tackle. So, um, yeah, I, I had a blast playing football. Wanted to go to the NFL. Thought that was a possibility. And my senior year of college, I actually ended up with two fully reconstructed shoulders. And coming back after that, I, I really wasn't strong enough to go to the NFL. I just kind of um, had maxed out my body and taken my athletic career as far as I could go. But, um, but USC is a great school. I took an entrepreneurship class. And uh, the first day of the entrepreneurship class, my teacher said, think of a business that couldn't exist five years ago that would boom five years from now. I said, there should be a company that makes professional YouTube videos for corporations. And my teacher said, what's YouTube? So to give you an idea, YouTube was brand new, Matt. And um, this was like 2008. And actually YouTube had just got acquired by Google, but like it wasn't everywhere yet. People weren't using it yet. People weren't running around with like iPhones yet. And I started that as a company while I was in school. That was my first company. And it turned into a production company. By the time I graduated in 2010, I was building out the online video channels for Red Bull, Amgen, Marriott, Mattel, Los Angeles Dodgers. And I pretty much spent my 20s becoming a producer and making these YouTube videos, like doing crazy stuff, like taking Steve Aoki, throwing them out of an airplane, right? And like trying to have them drink Red Bull or something. So it was it was just like stuff like that. You just know, normal putting, days. Just normal days, right? And so like <laughs> you could imagine, right? You're in your 20s. I didn't go to like film school or anything. So I'm just like learning on the fly how to be a producer and working with these Fortune 500 companies to to make their online content. And it was a blast. And that's where I learned how to become a producer or a creator. It's where I learned how to become an entrepreneur. Um, it's where I learned how to become a, a business person. And yeah, that was pretty much uh, my entire 20s. I ended up selling that company in 2015. I became the CEO of the world's largest aerial production company. So we filmed all the major motion pictures and TV shows from helicopters. So Mission Impossible, Transformers, CSI, stuff like that. And um, we also did aerial surveillance. So we did confidential surveillance missions for FBI, DEA, foreign governments, municipalities, and we did air medical transport. So patients and organs, hospital to hospital. And on September 11th, 2015, my business partner died in a plane crash outside Medellin, Colombia. Wow. Yeah. So to give you an idea of like, of where I was at, just kind of like personally, right? Yeah. 29 CEO, of this multinational helicopter company and my business partner, the founder and CEO of the company dies. And like literally where I was at is I was in uh, Westlake Village, California at a Four Seasons hotel in a boardroom running a senior leadership team meeting. So it was Friday, September 11th. Oh and God. I get this phone call. It's, we're almost done with the day. It was 4.53 p.m. This weird phone number is calling my cell. I knew I had to pick it up because of the, the kind of work that we did. And I pick up the phone. And the person said, Steve Allen's plane crash. And when you're in aviation, you know that that means fatalities. So I'm like standing in this hallway, right? Just got this call. The entire team is on the other side of the hall in this big boardroom. And Matt, I had no idea what to do. I like literally, I didn't have like some kind of blueprint. I didn't have some framework. There was no crisis communication plan, like right. nothing. Here's another utter shock. Yeah. And the only thing I could do was I just like looked up and was like, please, God, help me get through this. And I wasn't religious or anything, right? I'm not like, I hated going to church, right? That was not my jam. Mm -hmm. And 
we got through the next 72 hours. It was super high profile. So I had to address the press, ABC, NBC, TMZ. And then I'm driving to work on Monday and literally, again, just had no idea what to do. Just had no clue. Like, like, am I supposed to bring the whole company together and like talk to everybody and give a big speech? If I do give a speech, am I, how am I supposed to sound? Am I supposed to be like optimistic? Am I supposed to be sad? Um, like, how do I, how much of the details do I talk about to the company versus like what stays private for his family? Like, I had no idea. And so I'm sitting on the 101 freeway on the way from my house in Westlake down to Van Nuys Airport where our HQ was. And I hit YouTube and I start watching some Tony Robbins videos. Cause I'm like, I don't know, like what would like Tony Robbins do, right? Cause he helps people get through all kinds of challenging stuff. And he's like, this guy, he's like advice presidents. I'm like, all right, let me get some like Tony Robbins. And then I hit my little Apple books and I'm like downloading like Tony Robbins audiobook. And I'm listening to this stuff on the way to work. And, you know, I went in and, and basically like during this time period, I'm now I'm listening to like Tony Robbins and I, and I like downloaded some like Oprah stuff. Like she's got this like super soul Sunday series. Right. I'm like listening Love to this Oprah podcast and Eventually a friend of mine says, you know, he asked me, Hey, what are you doing? And I was like, and, and like, I knew that he kind of meant like, how are you doing? But really he was getting more specific. Like, what am I doing to care for myself as I'm going through this time in my life? And I basically told him, I'm like, I'm listening to like some Tony Robbins. I'm doing some soul cycle. I'm drinking green juices. I'm hitting beat from yoga, right? Like all the hippie woo woo California stuff. And he was like, Hey, you should listen to this podcast from my pastor. And I was like, pastor, isn't that like a fake priest? You know, they can like get married and have kids. Like I'm not one of these Jesus people, bro. Like, I don't know about this like pastor thing. You got the wrong guy. Yeah, dude, you got the wrong guy. Bro. You got the wrong guy. And he was like, dude, you're listening to like some Oprah Super Soul Sunday audiobooks. Don't be like criticizing my pastor's podcast. You know what I mean? Shots fired. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'll listen to it. Send it to me. And it's like this random guy from some place called like Flower Mound, Texas, wherever that is. I've never been there, you know? He's like not a famous guy. Shout out guy. to Flower Mound. Shout out to Flower Mound. Yeah. Huge shout out to Flower Mound. <laughs> This like random dude named Matt Chandler, like, who is this guy? Like, why am I listening to this? You know, this podcast changed my life. This podcast changed my life. And this guy, Matt Chandler and what he was talking about, I thought it totally wasn't for me. The title of the podcast was the peace that Jesus brings. I was like, this is like super hokey, dude, not hokey, like totally medicine you needed. It was exactly what I needed. And it was transformative to me. It was transformative to me mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so I started listening to these podcasts every day on the way to work and on the way home. And this guy, I still never met him, this Matt Chandler guy, was like basically a pastor to me during this whole season of my life. And that's really where the seed of the idea for Pray.com was planted, Matt. Like I, got, I went so deep into these podcasts during this time of my life and eventually I was like, how come I never knew about this? How come I totally misjudged what this was? Like I was super biased, right? I'm from LA. I thought I was like the most open-minded, you know what right. I mean? And yeah, I just, the, the only conclusion that I could come to was there was no digital destination for faith content. We have a digital destination for sports content, ESPN. How come is, how come there's no digital destination for faith content? Like we have this cool, like a uh, millennial brand for like bad stuff called vice. Right. And it's like super popular. How come there's no like cool millennial brand for good stuff called prey. And it's super popular. That's, that's really why I started pray.com. I just, I felt like there was this need in the world. I was this, I was a customer, right? I was somebody that consumed this content. And also I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a media entrepreneur, now a tech media. And I was like, dude, this is God's plan for my life. I got to go start this thing. And it That's sounded amazing. crazy even to me at the time that, cause I'm not like, I'm not somebody that grew up in a church. I'm, my dad is not a pastor. I don't have a degree in theology. So that That's was the breakthrough. And then you fast forward to today and you've got 20 million people in growing on this platform. 
and you're the number one prayer platform in the world. Um, I know you just recently also launched a podcast Bible in a year, which is quickly. I remember we were chatting one day, you were thinking of launching it. And a month later, it must have been, you were already number one on Spotify, two and a half million downloads in its first month. Uh, I don't think I've ever met someone that's been able to do something, not only implement something so fast, but implement it so fast, execute on it and have that sort of meteoric growth, uh, you know, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, what was kind of the impetus between start, you know, starting that podcast and where are you trying to take things? So I would say like, first and foremost, I'm just so grateful to be able to be the CEO of pray.com. Like, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity to be in the driver's seat. And if I told you that I had like some secret special framework or secret master plan, I would be lying. Like, I really believe that this is God's plan for my, so, um, like all the credit, all the glory, right. I would give to God. And that's, that's like my starting point. Next step. I would say that I have been fortunate to be surrounded by incredible people. I have been absolutely blessed with these incredible co-founders that I have. There's four of us that started the company. I have three co-founders, Mike Lynn. Ryan Beck and Matt Potter, people that I've known for over a decade. Ryan and I grew up together. He was my childhood friend. So I have these great co-founders, right? And then I have these incredible investors. Praise this venture-backed Delaware C-Corp. We have investors like Greylock, TPG, Sequoia, Founders Fund, all these awesome, intelligent, brilliant Silicon Valley people that I get to talk to and that I get access and advice from. And then on top of that, I have these amazing friends and mentors. Like Matt Gray is my friend and you're a mentor to me. I learned so much from you, right? I have a buddy named Lewis Howes. He really was the guy that kind of encouraged me to go get into the podcasting. I was talking to him about it just like casually because I, I really like Lewis Howes' podcast. He's got a School of Greatness podcast. It's incredibly inspiring. I'm like, dude, you're like the millennial Oprah. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm all about it. And he's like, hey, you should do a podcast. And so Lewis kind of, he kind of like spoke into me and planted the seed of like doing that. And you know me, Matt, like I'm always hitting you up for advice on like, how do I build a personal brand? Should I build a personal brand? And really, I don't want to build a personal brand. Like <laughs> I'm kind of like anti being in front of the camera or like big personal brand, right? So when Lewis was like, hey, there's a big podcast opportunity, the way my brain works is like, oh, cool. What podcast can I produce? Because like my core competency from YouTube days is I'm a producer. I'm not the talent. I'm not in front of the camera. What podcast can I produce that I would want to consume? I landed on Bible in a Year, right? So if you go to bibleinayear.com, you can hear the podcast. And I was like, yeah, I want a Bible in a year podcast that feels like a cinematic audio experience. I want a Bible in a year podcast that feels like that Matt Chandler guy from Flower Mound, Texas, plus Game of Thrones had a baby, right? That's what I want. That's the Bible in a year podcast I want. I don't want like some boring guy like, no offense, no offense to all the other Bible in your people. The, the person reading the Bible format doesn't work for me. That doesn't work right. for me, right? I want something that's like the Marvel universe of like Bible in ear. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like entertainment, right? Like Hollywood, like give me like explosions, action packed, right? There's a lot going on in the Bible. So, so the Bible in a year podcast was what I got hooked on and we produced that out. We got this incredible pastor from Dallas, Texas, a guy named Jack Graham to be in it. And we have some incredible voiceover artists that narrate the stories. And that's what we rolled with. And we launched Bible in a Year in October. And, you know, our, our projection, our high, our high case was like, a couple million downloads for the year. And so for us to come out and blow it out and do like two and a half to 3 million downloads in the first month, then hit number one, that was 
that was epic. Like I was so stoked on that. The team was stoked. Jack Graham was super pumped. Like everybody that worked on the project, we had these like incredible writers and like pastors that are helping us write and composers, this guy named Andrew Morgan Smith. That's like composing all the music. People were pumped. And so it's amazing. Yeah, it was cool. Well, congrats. No, I mean, it was, uh, it's amazing to see the rise of it so fast. I'm excited for the vision. You touched on one thing there that I'm really big on and that I think is really fascinating, whether it's been with, uh, the cannabis space with herb or with operating systems with founder OS. Um, I'm really big on this idea of like edutainment, uh, building content. That's like 50% education for that space, but then 50% entertainment. And it sounds like when you were approaching Bible in a year, you had that kind of approach to, you know, combining, as you put it, like this Marvel universe with Bible in a year to give it just that like extra, like pizzazz, that zest, that just entertainment value that would then suck people into like the amazing information and, uh, you know, spiritual experience that Bible in a year is. I'm curious, like, how do you bridge those worlds between the, you know, what is like Bible in a year, but then making that super entertainment. Do you have a way at which you look at that? Yeah. I just, um, you know, I, when, when you think about entertainment, especially when it comes to anything scripted, the magic starts in the script. Like you need a miraculous story for people to like feel it, right? Whether they're like sitting in the theater or whether they're listening to it on their phone, it's all about the script and the writing. And we're blessed to have the Bible, right? You have this scripture that's been around for a couple thousand years, and it's got the world's best stories as measured by any metric, like any yeah. metric that you could invent to like quantify what is the best stories on earth. It's always the Bible, like book sales, most amount of people that have read it, like, most amount of people or most amount of like vignettes from the stories that people know about, right? Most amount of wisdom and lessons. And we have this Bible, right? Which I believe is the word of God, right? And people who aren't a Christian would probably just say, you know, incredible book of wisdom. But either way, unanimously, people tend to agree, best stories, best stories. So that's the framework that we get to start from. From there, it's super important to me as somebody that is not a theologian, I'm not a pastor, I don't have a PhD in theology, that we write stories that are biblically accurate. So we work with writers that do have degrees in theology that are pastors. And we start by writing out all these stories in a way that they're theologically accurate. And then from there, we start to entertainify them. Right. We start to add in, you know, maybe there maybe there wasn't a, a sound of a bone breaking or there wasn't the crackling of a fire or there wasn't the, you know, um, gust of wind. And we start to add in the little tiny details and little tiny elements throughout the story. And all of that, it really starts in the writing process. So anytime you're you're going to go and you're going to make a, an entertainment product. It really just starts in the writing. I don't care if it's like a musical. I don't care if it's a movie. I don't care if it's a book. Like the magic starts on pen and paper. And that's really where it starts. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that writing's truly a superpower and storytelling is very much like a vehicle for transformation. And it's amazing to see how many lives that Bible and years likely transforming. And yeah, it all comes down to like the pen and the paper and you know, what are those stories? And there's no better source of that than the Bible. So you're, you're dealing with, uh, some good material there, obviously. Um, in terms of the, I know one part to like the growth of these things is obviously, you know, the writing and, and that's one piece of it, you know, having gotten to know you a little bit, uh, I've always kind of continually wowed by your network. Um, you know, I know you're uh, a longtime member of YPO. We met, uh, partly in, like in, in person at a mastermind in LA, uh, shout out Eric Sue and Hormozy and Cody Sanchez and everyone that was there. I'm curious, like, how do you find mentors in your life? 
because you've obviously accumulated an incredible network and who are some of the biggest mentors in your life? Oh man, I am, um, I, I would say for the people that know me really well, if you were to ask them, like, what are three qualities that describe me? Uh, one of them would be relentlessly committed. Like I'm like relentless. They're like, dude, this guy is like, once he's committed to something, it's he's either going to die trying or, or he gets there like one of the two, you know? Um, so like that quality, that quality, there's a lot of friction when that's, when that's one of your like core traits of who you are. Um, another, another quality people would use to describe me is probably like extraordinarily confident. Um, like I don't really hesitate at things that I want to go do. Uh, it doesn't really matter if other people are doing them, if other people aren't doing them. Uh, I'll, I just kind of do what I want to do. And I'm really confident in my choices. And the last one, which really ties into the mentoring, is um, just I'm a very curious person. I am super curious. So when I meet people, it turns into me just asking questions constantly. I want to learn I, I want to know who you are. I want to find out what your interests are. What are your hobbies? I'm a curious cat. And I think that that has been the thing that has opened the door for me to mentorship. I believe mentorship is so incredibly important. There, a majority of the things that you will, that you will ever want to do in your life have already been done at an elite level by someone else, a majority. Not all, but like a majority. And yep. so what if you could just get somebody who's already been to where you want to go to help you out, right? 100%. I think it's the biggest hack. It's the biggest hack. It's the biggest hack. And for me, that hack comes from a natural and authentic place of the fact that I'm just curious about people. Yep. Like when I connect with people, I'm not trying to get them to help me. I'm actually just wanting to know who they are. And then there's usually some kind of natural attraction or there's not. One of the people that, you know, has been a really great mentor to me has been a guy named Mike Jones. He's actually on the board of Prey.com. He's the founder of Science, former yep. CEO of MySpace. Mike has mentored me up all throughout the process of building a venture back. I didn't know anything about tech when I got started. I didn't know how to make software. I didn't know how to run sprints. I didn't know how to do customer discovery. Like I've learned all this stuff from Mike Jones and he's been a true blessing in my life. There's other people that I also get to mentor and pay it forward to. Our buddy, Jimmy May, right? Who just um, retired from the United States Navy SEALs. Jimmy and I connected, we're just friends, right? We're, we got connected through some mutual friends. And Jimmy said, hey, I'm gonna be retiring in like three to five years. And I think I wanna start a business and maybe a nonprofit. I'm not sure, can you help me out, right? And so for me, as somebody that started multiple companies, I'm like, yeah, like what a great way to be able to give back, right? To, to be able to share my knowledge. So I think that, the cool thing about mentorship is it goes both ways, right? You can go seek out mentors and you can be a mentor. And I think that we really develop the most as people when we do both. And I would consider you a mentor, Matt. You're a mentor of mine. You know all about personal branding, copywriting. Like you understand the stuff that for me has been an area where I'm not an expert. So to be able to find you and be like, you know, just learn who you were. You had this whole approach where it was like, you were this soulful entrepreneur. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't just, I want to make a bunch of money and get rich quick. And it also wasn't just money is evil. Like let's spend like our whole life on a mountaintop doing like a meditation retreat. You had this blend. And for me, that was perfect. Right. I was like, Oh, this guy gets it. Like he's margin and mission right? He's profit and purpose. Like he's bringing a soul to entrepreneurship. And that's really where I feel like I'm coming from too. And so that's why I was so pumped to connect with you. And then when we had the opportunity to do that event together, like Eric, uh, Eric Sue and I have been friends for probably like 15 years when we both went into EO and 
that must have been in like, I don't know, 2009 or 10. It was like, actually, it must have been 11 because I was I had already graduated school. But, you know, we both joined EO. We're like the youngest people in EO. And Eric reached out to me and was like, hey, bro, like, let's start hanging out more. And I was like, okay, cool. And, you know, fast forward like 12 years later, we're both doing YPO together. And Eric's got this leveling up component that's a side thing for him because he likes to mentor people and he likes to get mentored by people, right? So I've really learned from um, people like Eric how you can start to build mentorship communities. I, I never really thought of it like a formalized thing. Um, and I've really learned from YPO and EO how those communities of like peer learning, peer mentorship are super valuable. But, you know, I naturally, because I'm such a curious dude, I naturally kind of always went down this path of wanting to know more about people, wanting to help people, wanting to learn from people. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I'm really big on mentorship. And I think that, like you were saying, it is the ultimate hack. I mean, if you're trying to be successful in any given area, the quickest way to get to where you're trying to go is to learn from people that have already been there. And likewise, too, it's one of the most rewarding experiences you can have, too, when you kind of can pay it forward to the next generation of people that are looking to get where you are. Um, in terms of on the community side with Prey, uh, you know, you have a massive community of people and it's not just um, worshipers and parishioners. It's the pre, you know, priests, pastors. It's a huge network of people. And I've oftentimes reflected on, you know, the church itself. It's like the ultimate community. I'm um, just like the Bible is just like the ultimate book. Um, and the ultimate storytelling. And so, you know, you have these like weekly rituals, you have these daily habits, you have people coming together regularly. Um, there's a common book that they're all celebrating. I'm curious when you're approaching sort of the next 10 years of Prey and where you're trying to go with this community, how do you kind of think about your kind of community systems and playbook? Matt, what's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning I typically meditate. Okay. And for me, I pray. So we're in that same space, right? And and if you survey monkeyed planet Earth, right? <laughs> all like 7.6 billion people or like whatever the number is that we're at. And you said, hey, what's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Billions of people, billions would reply. That's the first thing. And so the cue that I take from that, the cue that I take from that is make prayer the priority. So prayer is the main thing for us. That's the that's the foundation, right? And and we have to always keep the main thing, the main thing. Prayer, just like meditation, right, can happen alone, single player mode, right? If we're doing video game terms. And it can also you can do group prayer, right? You can have multiplayer mode. So when we talk about community, right? We're talking about multiplayer. Mode. What are all of the multiplayer mode things that we can do? So for us at pray.com, prayer is a priority. We keep that the main thing. And then as we branch out into other, you know, for us, it's features of our app, right? Because we're an app. As we branch out into features, we start thinking of what are all of the multiplayer mode features, right? Group prayer, group prayer text, prayer calls, there's a thing called prayer calls. I was on one today with my YPO Christian network where literally everybody calls in on a phone and we pray for each other. So, you know, there's all of these features that you can build out around the healthy habit of prayer. So you asked about my playbook. I know we have, we share an incredible friend, Greg, right? Who is the community expert, community master, dude knows, all the features for community products. And he has a playbook and he has a very meticulous and detailed process for how he likes to build community products. For me, I don't have a playbook. For me, it's make prayer the priority. And then as we think about single player mode features versus multiplayer mode features, what are the next feature sets that we can easily help people use an app for? whether that's a prayer call, whether that's a group prayer chain, like a text thread, etc. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I do think that that is one of the most difficult things whenever you're building a company is distractions, you know, and they say that most startups die from indigestion, not starvation. And 
there's always so many different opportunities that oftentimes it's so easy to get lost in what you're really all about. And I think that what separates the most successful entrepreneurs from the rest is that sort of laser focus on what is the most important thing in your company. And so for prayer, for pray, that is prayer. And it sounds like that no matter what, where you go with the company, whether it's now or in the next 10 years, it's like that is the core habit, the core experience that you're going to continue to kind of hone in on leverage and just make better and better and more rich, whether it's through single player mode or multiplayer mode within the app. Yeah. And how many ways can we get people to pray every day? You know, like every one of our, we're making a bunch of podcasts now. We have a whole slate on the way, right? Because the first one was, it was so successful. We'll end up launching like seven to 10 more in the next six to 12 months. Um, But every podcast we do, Matt, starts with a prayer. And like, that's, there's no podcast that that do that, right? That's not even a thing. Like we reinvented that (laughs) as, as a podcast format, right? (laughs) No, it's good. You got to do something different. You know, you got to stretch people a bit and be known for something. So you're inventing your own format. And I think that's why it's working in terms of, uh, to switch gears here. I know on you know the personal brand side, you're one of those people that I think thinks through everything super intentionally. You don't just happen to get into something. Like you were saying, you're very like, you kind of scan things, you do your research, but when you have conviction behind it, you, you go full force. I know with your personal brand, that's been something that you've kind of like oscillated on. Sometimes you're, you know, I'm going to go all in. And sometimes there's some hesitancies. I'm curious, like, how do you think about personal brand? For me, I think of everything that I do on the business front in a mission team self framework. So mission means essentially like customer first, right? Team means company second. Self means me, Steve, the CEO, or like really Steve, just like the dude from SoCal, right? So from a mission perspective, our mission at pray.com is to grow faith and cultivate community so that we can leave a legacy of helping others. And usually, the team perspective boils down to this very complex formula. You ready, Matt? Revenue minus expenses equals profit, okay? Anytime someone's talking about the company, they'll give you all this other stuff that's not revenue minus expenses equals profit. Usually that's the primary driver, right, for the company. For myself, it's gotta be something that I truly enjoy, something that I would do for free. So. Every time I approach the kind of personal branding thing, is this something that I'm doing first and foremost, customer first, right? Is this in alignment with the mission? If it's not, pass. Second, is this in alignment with my team? Really my team being Prey.com and and Prey.com shareholders, right? Is this in alignment with revenue minus expenses equals profit? If not, pass. And then third, is this something that I wanna do personally that I would love to do and that I would do just that I would do this for free, if not pass. And a lot of the ideas that I've had around um, pushing into anything that's promoting myself personally, they just don't pass the test. In most cases, they don't pass the test, right? So Bible in a year, is it helping us grow faith and cultivate? Yes, it is. Bible in a year, is it helping us do the formula revenue minus expenses equals profit. Yes. Bible in a year. Would I go dedicate my free time to go make Game of Thrones meets Matt Chandler for the Bible? Yes, I would. Right. I would do that. Okay, cool. Mission team self check. So anything that's personal brand um, it's just a lot of times it's hard to pass that framework for me. I am launching a podcast called Relentless Hope. And that's going to be nice. my new podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm dropping it in um, in a couple of weeks in, in January. So, you know, at the time of this recording, it's Friday, January 6th, 2023. First podcast of the year for me and for you. So grateful to be here. But, um, but Relentless Hope checks all the boxes for us. It checks the mission team self box. And that's like my first tiptoe into something that has has my name on it, right? It's pray.com presents relentless hope with Steve Gatina. There we go. I'm looking forward to that. That's uh this is your your entrance. It's gonna be awesome. I mean I feel like this space like I know it's great that you're being so intentional about your personal brand and, and where you're you know and how you want to position it and when it makes sense. I think it's definitely important to put, you know, mission first, team second, 
and then yourself third. I think that's true leadership, you know, like leaders eat last kind of vibes. And in terms of this upcoming podcast, it's going to be awesome to see you putting your, your face out there. And I think putting a, a face to the more to the prey brand and also like this space where when you think of a lot of leaders in the, you know, religion church space, it's the pastors, not someone like yourself. So I think it'll I and think that's bring a what new the, level of approachability. What the podcast is about, Matt, I'm, I'm actually highlighting a mix of pastors, right? and customers that use the Prey app. So I'm actually, I've taken these dramatic, inspirational stories, you know, of tragedy to triumph or rags to riches that are representative of our customer base, right? So nice. Prey.com, you know, I, I try not to use jargon, but it's a media marketplace, right? Or sometimes it's called a marketplace-driven SaaS company, but it's kind of like, uh, Etsy or Uber, where we have the supply side, right? Instead of Uber drivers, right? Pray.com has pastors. And then we have the demand side. Instead of Uber riders, we have members, right? Like members of the church. And we're taking stories from both sides, from both from pastors and from members. And we're telling it in this first person narrative, dramatized style. So you'll have to critique the pod let me know what I need to improve on. And no, I'm uh, looking forward. No, it's uh, it's your superpower storytelling. And I think uh, it's going to be exciting to see. I think that's a great spot. I feel like sweet spot with a lot of podcasts too. I, you know, you see a lot of people starting with, you know, whether it's like thought leadership or um, yeah, a bunch of different renditions. But I think at the end of the day with any business, if you can just start from the place of let's go and talk to key partners or talk to key customers and just tell their stories. That's a spot where the mission's gonna shine. Um, and there's a clear line of sight there too for it making a lot of business sense as well, because other people are gonna identify with those stories. The people that are featured on it are gonna wanna share it with their friends, which are likely similar fish that will also come to your product. And so it's kind of a, a great place to start from, from what I know. Matt, I'm surprised actually, because there's there are so many CEOs and entrepreneurs like irrespective of the size of the company, right? You don't have to be like Bob Iger to go do a podcast. So you could just be, I'm a three to five person, you know, smaller shop. Maybe you're doing like half a million a year in revenue and you'll want to scale to like two, three million. And honestly, one of the most powerful tools for these B2B companies, especially, is start a podcast and just go interview people in your industry that are representative of your target customer. You know, who are all the other executives that you can have on your show? And what are the themes that you can talk about that you already know about? Like, it doesn't have to be scripted. You don't have to fake it. Like, just be who you are, right? And connect with people and get them on the show. And I think that's actually a huge under monetized growth tool that people could use, especially in these B2B companies. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people too, when they're starting these things, they get really caught up in some of the vanity metrics of subscribers or views or downloads. But when you're playing in that space of just talking to your customers and talking, you know, just with different partners, it's less about that. It's more about just this like hyper-targeted network being featured on it, sharing it with their friends and just creating that kind of like early, you know, cult following amongst people that truly matter. Uh, to your business versus getting caught up in all the vanity around it. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times, um, and this is normal, right? This is, this is normal for us to like get caught up with likes or we get caught up with like the rankings on the charts. But I think that a lot of times you'd be surprised when it comes to that team formula that I talked about, that revenue minus expenses equals profit. I think a lot of times people would be shocked, shocked at which businesses or which podcasts or which niches are the most profitable. And there are areas like podcasting where the profits or the revenues are so opaque, like you just don't know. It's like, it's hard to look under the hood and see how are people monetizing their podcasts. And so you, you might look at the rankings and think, oh man, like this person's got like a top 10 podcast. They must be crushing it from a revenue perspective. And that might not be true. You know, like um, we're gonna end up doing millions of dollars on our Bible in a year podcasts 
And, you know, some of the ways that we're monetizing, right, include going out and getting title sponsors for our podcast. So just connecting with a brand that wants to sponsor the show, um, going out and running programmatic ads into your podcast. So like if you put your podcast on YouTube, right, YouTube will inject ads. If you use Megaphone to upload your podcast, Megaphone will inject ads, right? So you can, you can run ad revenue, but then also if you have a product or a service that you can sell, your podcast is going to drive leads, right? So you might have a customer lifetime value of $10,000 or $50,000 or $100,000. And it's like one episode of your podcast might've gotten you one customer and maybe only a hundred people heard your podcast, but you might've gotten one customer that's going to give you $10,000 over the lifetime of your business off of one show that only a hundred people listen to. Right. So yep. I think that, you know, it's important for us to remember that revenue minus expenses equals profit engine and, yep. and don't get too psyched out on the likes or the downloads or who you think is the most popular. Yeah. You see that a lot because I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the profit number is so opaque, you know, and it's so hard to actually understand what that is behind, whether it's your favorite Twitter accounts, Instagram accounts, podcasts, YouTube channels, whatever it may be. So the main thing that you can see is a subscriber account, follower account, whatever. And so it's easy to kind of get lost in that trap of thinking that that's the competition and that's where you're trying to grow or getting on that hamster wheel. When you can take a step back, there's oftentimes some of those are smaller, more targeted accounts with a real strategy behind them are the ones that are really pushing real business value versus ones that may be just hitting viral bangers every week or so, but not driving actual real results through from kind of your rented audience, owned audience to monetize audience. So yeah, it's important to know which game you're playing and not get lost in the vanity game. Agreed. 100%. Last, uh, last gear to go through here that I'm always curious on. So we chop it up around our own sort of goals, systems, habits all the time. And we were both sharing a bit of uh, inside look at one another's master plans for 2023. I think we both have some big goals for this year. Um, and uh, I was uh, really kind of blown away by your approach to goal setting uh, for, for your years. And it seems to me to be something that you've refined over many, many years. Uh, based on just the intentionality that it looked like that was behind it. Um, we don't need to get into all the details, but I'm curious to understand your sort of goal setting system as we approach 2023, what I'm calling Jordan year. You know, for me, it's all about mastery, dominating my niche, just kind of, you know, being just the ultimate competitor and, um, and, and leader. Um, and I'm curious as you're approaching this year, what's your kind of theme for the year and how are you sort of distilling on the personal side of Steve, you know, your goals. So my theme for the year is relentless hope. That nice. is my theme. And, um, I create a mantra too. Like normally I normally, this is the first time I think I've ever, you know, publicly told somebody like, Hey, I have a theme and a mantra. Right. And <laughs> my mantra <laughs> for the year is the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And a lot of that Matt has been driven by 2022 was a rough year for me. It was a rough year for me. Um, my, I'm married, right? And, uh, and my wife and I, um, we had a dog, TJ, that we had to put down like right before Christmas. And wow. TJ was about 16. So that was devastating for us. Yeah. Um, we don't have kids yet. We've been trying to get pregnant and uh, it just hasn't worked out for us quite yet. And we really want to have kids. And so, you know, that made uh, the year hard and it made the TJ, you know, putting our dog down even harder. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that one of the lessons that I learned this year was really for me to lean into my faith and faith is the most important category for me. It's the most important category for leaning into that and applying that relentless commitment that I have, right? That's like a natural part of my personality, applying that to my faith and, you know, um, being hopeful for the future and continuing to believe that the best is yet to come no matter what I go through and then sharing that hope with others, right? 
being there for my friends, especially when they're in a, in a tough time. Like by the end of 2023, I want to be the guy, Matt, that you call on the worst day of your life. When the worst thing that's ever happened to you happened to you, like, I want to be the guy where you're like, dude, I need to call Steve right now. And like, I don't know what he's going to say, but he's going to help me get through this. And so that's my primary goal for 2023. And I've themed it relentless hope. My mantra is the best is yet to come. All the other stuff, like, you know, I got all the superficial stuff, right? Like getting fit, you know, get, growing the bank account, like all the stuff that people do, right? We all do the same stuff, like, but- Six my, pack, a fat bank and relentless hope. That's, that's it, dude. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> And so on the faith side of things, like to dive into that, I'm curious, I'm actually reading a book right now, uh, Dale Carnegie's uh, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Um, he's been just like a, a classic sort of mentor I'll listen to and his audible books and just constantly kind of like helps me shift my mindset, reframe things. And there's a whole part of the book around, yeah, just the amount of just amazing leaders in history that, you know, and even business leaders that have used prayer um, and found prayer to help them get through um, just the darkest days. I know, like, I think it was Morgan Stanley leaving, you know, Wall Street midway through the day to go to our local chapel, spend his half an hour midday to say his prayers and and, and connect with his faith and then kind of go back and, and, and get things done. And they go through a ton, tons of examples in the book. I'm curious, like, when it comes to, you know, your darkest days and when you're going through, whether it's having to, like, put your dog down, which I know is like a really close, you know, you know, it's like a friendship. Uh, how do you kind of like rely on your faith to get you through those sort of moments? Like, what does that look like? So for me, it's like, I'm like this, like achievement oriented person, right? That is, that is relentlessly committed to things. So one thing that I committed to, um, maybe seven years now, seven years back, like six, seven years ago is just waking up in the morning and praying, right? and praying and being thankful and grateful. And so I do that every morning. That is, that is just like a cornerstone habit of my life. I just do that in the morning. And that, you know, sometimes I come and I'm like grumpy when I do that, right? Like sometimes I'm calm, sometimes I'm stressed. Like, I wish I could tell you I had this like perfectly <laughs> even keeled, like, situation happening it's dude, sometimes it doesn't look so good <laughs> it's a hot mess bro like sometimes it's a hot mess right so like that's the real of it but i do it every day just like brushing my teeth and i'm like hey this is like a thing that i do that i'm gonna do and that's gonna be like this like anchoring habit that i can just like hold on to i would say that's like the start of it right another part and um i i haven't even told him this in person but the person that I call, and it's the worst day, is one of my co-founders, a guy named Matt. And you got to meet Matt. Shout he was the Matt. guy that wanted to invent the Viperhorn product with John Fiorentino. <laughs> Big shout out to John from Gravity Blanket and Matt Potter from Homestack, who is also my co-founder of Prey.com. By the way, be on the lookout for their new product, Viperhorn. Maybe John will come on your podcast, Matt, and tell the world about it. But Matt Potter is the guy that I call. And he is somebody that grew up a super strong Christian. He's from like this really great family. He's the most empathetic, the kindest, and really in these tough situations, the most wise person that I know, at least that's our age. And I call Matt. And you know what? Like he always has the right thing to say. He always has the right vibe. He always makes me feel like I'm loved, like I'm supported, and always gives me the tools on how to share love and support others in those moments. So like Matt is somebody that I really look up to. And, you know, he's also a mentor of mine, as well as my co-founder. So huge shout out to Matt. Shout out to Matt. No, I love the approach too. I think that whether it's prayer, meditation, it's, it is very similar to like brushing your teeth, right? It's like mental hygiene and taking those moments, whether it's one minute crawling out of bed, super grumpy, or, you know, looking much better and, and feeling good about yourself. But no matter what it is, it's that kind of that habit, that ritual you can put in your day to kind of uh, stay grounded 
and stay centered, um, which is oftentimes I think really hard to do as entrepreneurs like us that are super achievement oriented. We're relentless. We kind of are constantly getting after it. And oftentimes we'll put others and other needs before ourselves. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's super important. Well, with all that, uh, Steve, it's been unbelievable here having you on the first ever Mac Ray show. Appreciate your vulnerability. I appreciate your friendship more than anything. And Matt, um, I want to know times. two things that I want to know. Fire away. One, what's your off stage beat? Off stage beat. And if you don't know what that is, I'll tell you. And then two, like, how do we close this show? Do you have like a sign off? Is there like a, that's the way the cookie crumbles? You know, like what's the close out here? Like what? And then maybe there's a third one, which is like, are we throwing in like background music? Are we going to get like, are we going on uh audio jungle to get like a little like sound bite, like opening sample music? Like what's going on here? So like offstage beat, how do we close this thing out? And then like, what's up with the music scene, dude? Like, are we, how over the top are we going? So I'll deal with those in reverse order. So music scene, I have a good buddy, uh, Roxy, uh, who I've known for a decade, met him through Burning Man. Shout out to Roxy. Yeah. And was going to get Roxy. I was watching and binge watched, uh, the white Lotus. I don't know if you've seen this at all. I have Um, over, over the holidays went from episode one to just crushing it all. And there's Is just that this... why you're like permanently in a tropical paradise now? Like, did you get inspired from like season one when they're like in Maui or wherever? No, I just, I was already here when uh, <laughs> I started watching it, but I was watching the series and some of it was like feeling, yeah, I don't know what you call that, like deja vu a bit. Uh, so yeah, while watching that though, there was just this one song during the show, I think like the second season that just like got stuck in my head. And then when I was thinking about reaching out to Roxy to get like a, some intro music kind of going on, I'm like, yo, I should make it sort of similar to that song, you know, like kind of like a Hawaiian sort of, I don't know what you call it, luau sort of vibe. So just keep it tropical, you know, we're in tropical destinations, Dude, I'm into tropical it. shows. Yeah. So got to keep it sort of tropical and fun. Um, in terms of offbeat vibe, right? Is that what you're saying? Offstage like, what do I do? Beat. Do you know what, what does that I'm... mean? Okay, no. so an offstage beat is um, it's like a description of your character that you are in the show, right? So like, it's a term that they use uh for for like actors in plays, right? So your offstage beat might be, "My name is Matt Gray." I am a soulful, caring entrepreneur that wants to help my audience find new frameworks that they can apply to their business. I just made that up. That was like totally freestyle. So if that, you know, is garbage, throw it in the trash. But the point is, is you read your offstage beat before you go into your show. Right. And then that's like who you are as a host, right? Of your show. Makes sense. So I think the offstage beat, that's something that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of, you're circling around it. I think for me, it's been building businesses for the last 12 years, been through a lot of pain, agony, and had a lot of major breakthroughs going through it. And my goal with this show is to share those learnings that I had to learn the hard way and give people the systems, the processes to build their community brand and audience and do it faster than I have. So oh yeah, it. we need some work. Can't wait and to yeah, find and... out what the offstage, where the offstage beat lands with your exactly. primo copywriting skills. Primo copywriting and then the Hawaiian music. It's going to be just uh, primo. Yeah. So and then I'll so, have to run so it then by what's it. our what's our closeout? Like what's the sign off? I was thinking, you know, with all this stuff, I was looking a lot at, uh, you know, how Joe Rogan does it and other pods I listen to, and it just seems to be more casual. You know, it doesn't need to be this whole uh, crazy sign off thing. I think it's just more of like. You know, hey, like, let's crush it this weekend. I'll I'll see you on Saturday, kind of vibe, and you know, Love that's it. that. Maybe yeah. that's it, dude. Maybe it's just like I'll see you on just... Saturday. That literally <laughs> could be a formal, informal sign off. You know what I mean? One of the most epic sign offs. So maybe I just got to like uh, shout out to Fine Ice Cream in Puerto Escondido, where I am. I'll go to Ice Cream, you know, more often than I should probably. And when they, I'll go get my three scoops of uh, cheesecake ice cream. Dude, Best three scoops ever. of cheesecake ice cream. Who are you? Oh, beast mode. 
I go, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to be relentless here, Steve. That's it, dude. Like the (laughs) 1900 calorie, three scoops of cheesecake ice cream. Let's go. All right. You don't need to make me feel guilty. This (laughs) This is not the way I was hoping to sign up. Dude, that's okay. You're shredded. You got like a six pack. You're surfing every day. Like you crush that cheesecake ice cream. That was the confidence I needed. Thank you. So to continue the story, when I got these, when I get these three scoops of cheesecake ice cream and I have my conversation with them and you know, we just catch up and just, you know, it's just a great, great relationship we have there. I tell them, you know, like, you know, have a good evening, you know, hope you guys have a great day. And they always will say, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and I just think that's such a good sign off, you know, for a business or Dude, any just, person. They're it's training like, you. Yeah, they're no. training you for the subscription buy, I'm right? Like, it's like... so genius. It's so genius. It's just like, you know, no matter what, it's just like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So maybe that's it. You know, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> that's it. All right. Awesome. Well, Steve, uh, see you tomorrow. Thanks for coming on.